You're listening to a podcast from Trinity Church Aldgate. Morning Devotions brought to you by Senior Pastor Chris Jolliffe. Today we're looking at Revelation chapter 3 and we're up to Jesus' letter to the church in Sardis. Now, um, I don't know if you know anything about Sardis, so I didn't, so again, I looked it up. So here's what we know about Sardis, this church. Sardis was a city of the past, that is, it was a city exceedingly fabled for its past wealth and splendour, but uh, its greatness lay in the past. It was situated on a very high mountain ridge and um, considered to be impregnable, and it had um, some industry there, um, famous for its woolen, textile and jewellery industry. There you are. The um, Sardis was devoted to a particular, the particular worship of a particular god, uh, the uh, Sybil, C-Y-B-E-L-E, a mother goddess. And uh, the t- the, to worship in, in that situation, you had to put on a white robe and go up to uh, that temple. However, the worship was pretty debauched, uh, was sort of the worst that you could imagine. Um, white robe symbolising purity, and yet the exact worship was anything but. Anyway, you can imagine a small Christian community, uh, a church in that sort of city. Well, okay. You've heard of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and can you remember all the dwarves? There's grumpy, sneezy, bashful, um, I don't know, what else? Dopey? (laughs) I can't remember. Um, Which of the dwarves would Sardis have been? Sleepy, sleepy. Okay. To the angel of the church in Sardis, Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And we remember that um, the description of Jesus, which is different in each of these letters, corresponds to something something specific to each church. Okay, how's Jesus described here? The one who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And you go, oh, that's perfect, makes perfect sense. Well, let's think about this. Seven spirits of God that's come up before. Um, and uh, I remember at the time thinking, is this the Holy Spirit, perhaps? Uh, I'm thinking more uh, that it is. So he is the, uh, the one who holds the seven spirits. That is, he who has um, the ability to grant the spirit, the spirit of the living God to different people and also and different churches. And um, seven is complete. So, you know, the complete spirit, uh, Jesus' spirit. Uh, We remember the Holy Spirit was poured out by Jesus on the day of Pentecost. Okay. And the one who holds the seven stars. Now, different people have said these as different things. So some people have said uh, they are the the teachers, really, in this church. I I don't really see the evidence for this. Uh, The stars shine, don't they? And um, I'm thinking, I might be wrong, um, but I'm thinking that um, each church is meant to shine, to shine for God and to have a witness in the area that they're in. And so uh, Jesus is saying that he is the one 
who holds uh, the ability for a church to shine in his hand. And that is both the critique of this church, but also their hope in the end. Similarly with the seven spirits. He, um, they're quenching the spirit, but he has the spirit. Okay. Now, normally a letter would begin, or the pattern of the letters thus far has begun with commendation and then critique. Now, however, with the letter to the church in Sardis, there is no commendation. Oh dear. Oh, Jen's thinking, are the stars angels? Not sure. So the angels, um, no, they're the messengers. So I'm not thinking that. Good, good thought. <laughs> Tell me why I'm wrong. I'm open to it. Okay. Um, yes, Jesus doesn't have a, a commendation. He says, I know your deeds. Now, that might sound hopeful. We're thinking, oh, he knows what they've done. He says, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Oh, dear. Their glory is in the past, much like the city. The city's greatness lay in the past. Well, so with the church. Maybe it began with a flurry. But it's, it's dead. Oh, dear. Now, this is pretty tragic um, uh, and it makes me think of our church we had this great glorious past what is Jesus thinking of it now is it alive or is it dead oh dear uh, I don't want to pass judgment on our church that's Jesus job but it does make you think because at the end of this he'll say whoever has ears let them hear what the spirit says to the churches this isn't just a challenge for our church it's a challenge for every church of every age um, is our glory in the past what are we like now um, okay I know your deeds you have a reputation of being alive so people talked about the church in Sardis they talked about it as a really alive church a church which was alive to God um, but that was in times gone by. The reality is they're dead. And then he says, wake up. Now, that's interesting. If you're a dead person, can you wake up? Well, here's the thing. I think, do you know how um, when you see, uh, see on cop shows or whatever, um, an ambulance comes to, or a, in a war movie, um, someone gets hit by shrapnel or they're, they're hit in an accident, they're about to die, and someone says, stay with me, stay with me, you know, stay conscious. I think that's like this church. They are down and out for the count. They're as good as dead. But they just need to wake up and get conscious again. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. There you go. So they're not fully dead yet. They do have something that's there, something that remains and is about to die. Um, but that needs strengthening. He says, for I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. It's interesting that uh, Jesus does have works for us to walk in, doesn't he? And he has works for churches to walk, walk in. Remember in Ephesians 2, by grace you've been saved through faith. This is the gift of God. It's not from yourselves so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared in advance for us to walk in. Um, there you go. I don't think these works are secret. <laughs> you know, it's impossible to find out. 
I think we be his people where we are, we be active, and these are the good works. Well, they are not active, they're asleep. Okay, so he says, strengthen what remains. Now, how are you going to strengthen what remains? So here's a church. Imagine you're a part of this church. You've just received this message, oh dear. And this is in a circular letter, which is going around to the other churches. You know, the other churches have heard also Jesus' critique of your church. <laughs> you're the dead one. How are you going to strengthen what remains? Well, he says, verse 3, Remember, therefore, what you've received and what you've heard. Go back to the Bible, right? Go back to the gospel. Now, the fact that he says remember means that they had been forgetting. So here was a church that had a reputation of being alive and death came in when they let go of what they'd been first taught. They let go of the gospel. They let go of Bible teaching um, because that's, that's God's fuel for us, isn't it? To, to know who we are, to know who he is, to know what he has done for us and to know the good works which God wants us to walk in. You've got to get the Bible open and into our heads and hearts. He says, remember, therefore, what you've received and heard. Hold it fast. Remembering that, of course, uh, the parable of the sower, it's so easy to sow the word and for Satan to come and snatch the word away. Or it's so easy for the word to fall on shallow soil and uh, for, uh, you know, life to spring up quickly. But um, the troubles of life, persecutions, um, can, can make what we have wither and die. No, no, no. Take it. Hold it fast. May this word go deep within and then repent. Okay. He says, but if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Now, of course, Jesus spoke like this, didn't he, with his disciples of um, his return. And um, he said, you don't know the day or hour. Um, you know, no one knows what hour a thief will come in and rob them. So it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. Now, however, I'm not sure that this reference in verse, the second half of verse 3 is referring to his final coming in judgment. Because he says, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Here is a specific coming. We think, does Jesus turn up specifically for different churches? Um, uh, well, I don't think he comes invisibly or something like that. But it could be that he will come and enact a judgment on the church. Uh, perhaps he will extinguish their light. Um, perhaps he will, I don't know, destroy them some way uh, from within. Who knows? Who knows? Clearly it's a warning. Um, Jesus himself will come. And clearly it's a warning of coming in judgment. If you do not wake up, I'll come like a thief. And you won't know what time. Yikes. Okay. He says, yet there are few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. Now, here is um, a reference to what's going on in their culture. Remember the Temple of Sybil? C-Y-B-E-L-E. -E. <laughs> okay. 
and the worshippers had to get dressed in white. They wouldn't permit anyone in soiled clothes to go up into that temple. And yet when they get there, they do the most debased things. Well, he says there are a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. So again, what we see is that um, what the church had fallen into in some way was um, either participation in this um, this worship as well, or some corrupted version uh, that they are practicing in their own church. So, in other words, they'd imbibed the culture to such an extent that really their worship was debased. And he says, yet there are some people who haven't soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. Okay. Um, and here is a great encouragement um, that uh, in the book of Revelation later on, um, those who are with uh, God in heaven are given clean clothes, white robes. They've come out of the great tribulation. They are the ones who are washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. And the white clothes, robes are really not just a sign of purity, but of victory. They are the ones who have come through. He says, the one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. And then he says, I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. Now, that raises a whole host of questions for us. Is it possible for someone's name to be blotted out from the book of life? Because uh, in my head and perhaps yours, we're thinking um, the book of life corresponds to that doctrine of election or predestination, where in God's books are the names of those that he has predestined for eternal life. And when Jesus, therefore, says, I'll never blot out that name of that person from the book of life, we're thinking, does that raise the possibility that someone's name could be blotted out? Um, well, there are a couple of references to this in the Bible. So um, uh, Moses himself uh, speaks in this way in Exodus 33, 34. Um, you know, blot me out uh, instead of them. Um, Paul in Romans 10, I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off for the sake of my brothers, almost as if his name could be blotted out as well. Um, uh, but these are people uh, asking this of God for the sake of others. Here's Jesus saying to the person who's victorious, who remains pure in their worship, who's strengthening what's dead because they're going back to the word of God and repenting, then they will never be blotted out of the book of life. Now, here, is the, here again uh, is the doctrine of God's sovereignty and human responsibility intertwined, going side by side. They are always intertwined in the Bible. Um, Jesus will never blot out of the book of life the name of a person who is victorious. Now, if... The book of life contains the, the, the list of those whom he has predestined to eternal life. You'd think that book was fixed, right? Okay, God's sovereignty and salvation. But he says, the one who is victorious, okay, um, won't be blotted out. Human responsibility, okay, which goes hand in hand. In other words, God has saved you, but he asks you to walk in obedience and walk in faith and endure to the end um, 
and not give up and strengthen uh, what remains and wake up. You know, he asks you all these things. Okay. Jesus says, for our encouragement, that person, I will acknowledge before my father and his angels. This one in Sardis. They were true. They endured. They strengthened what remained. They went back to what they had been taught. Um, they didn't soil their clothes. They repented. And I'm acknowledging them before you, my Father, and before all of you, the angels. This is what Jesus will say. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, there's a hard word. The sleepy church needs to be woken up. Well, um, we might think that puts a lot on us, doesn't it? But remember, the answer, as well as the critique, lies in him who's speaking. Who is him who speaks? The one who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He holds the ability of a church to shine the seven stars. Um, and he also holds the seven spirits, the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit given to us by the Lord Jesus. He is alongside us, helping us to remember what we've been taught, to wake up, to strengthen uh, what we've been given and is still there, to help us repent. It's in his strength, not just in our own, but in his strength that we walk in obedience. Well, again, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What would Jesus say if he could come and give us a specific letter for our church? Well, his letter to the church in Sardis would be included. This letter wasn't just for this church. It's for everyone who listens. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit, what Jesus is now saying. He who holds the seven spirits, he's now saying to us, to the churches, to us right now. We don't want to rest on our reputation, our reputation of being alive. We want it to be true right now. Well, it would be good to pray that this would be the case. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray that our church would not rest on the reputation of being alive, but it would be true. We would be alive. Father, um, it, we realise that it's, it's tragically possible to rest in the past, in the glory of the past, to consider ourselves impregnable, uh, but to be under attack and then to be almost mortally wounded. A gracious God, help us to be a church that goes back to the scriptures, which listens to you deeply, which repents and which walks in the good works you've prepared for us. And we pray that you'd make those clear to us. But we pray that we would walk in the help of your spirit, not in our own strength, but that you would help us to be alive and to have life. We look forward to sharing the victory of Jesus, to be given those white robes, those white robes of victory, and um, to rejoice with him, to be acknowledged by him before you and before the angels. We pray that that would be true of us, and of the churches we're in. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook or leave a review or comments either on Facebook or on our website, www.trinity.church forward slash Aldgate.